Awesome. So we are back for more fun-filled adventure along the Ragged Coast, and we are actually along the Ragged Coast at this point in time. I'm Carl, and I'm DMing. We'll go around quick intros, and then Andy will read us the recap from last time. Um, so let's start with DJ, and you can choose who you pass it to. I'm DJ, and I will be playing uh, Crenshaw Jones, who is growing up and as a sore lock level 3-1, is uh, experimenting with his identity and becoming a crime fighter. Is that where he's going? We don't really know. I'm going to pass it off to Nate. Hi, I'm Nate. Uh, I play a fifth level uh, dragonborn bard named Mechala Shantor, who goes by Mick. And he is working on becoming a folk hero. Uh, I'm going to pass it on to Kevin. Hi, my name's Kevin. I'll be playing uh, an Eladrin arcane uh, trickster uh, named Theraval Fantastical. Theraval recently lost his ice method uh, uh, familiar, but has now found a new fr uh, friendship in a small twig blight named Aspen Kutcher and is burrowing out that I'm also calling Drake. Um, and uh, we're eager to figure out what am I doing back home and where are we going next? Um, so with that, let me throw it over to Janae. Oh, Aspen Kutcher, that still gets me in stitches. Um, <laughs> really good name for familiar. Uh, my name is Janae, I play Clarence Stilcloven, um, a level three fighter, level two druid, um, who may be learning more of her druidic ways thanks to becoming a, an adjunct student the Lunar Academy with her uh, great friend, Mouse Fieldmouse. Um, she's got some notes to study and is looking forward to that, even if she's not such a fan of the traditional classroom. Um, I'll pass it finally to Andy. Hi, everyone. My name is Andy, and I'm playing Fence the Monk. Fence is a male wood elf monk level five. He's a way of mercy monk. He's very excited about his new plus one spear, and he's looking forward to using it. As my daughter said, Fence wants to bonk someone on the head with his new spear. Uh, and that's what I have to say about that. Ooh, oh, one tiny thing about the spear. I meant to say this last time as you were journeying down, well, from Woodwall up to Mirport and then from Mirport back through Woodwall and on the way to Ward. Um, Fence, in studying the spear staff that you had since you had days, probably weeks or so of traveling. One of the interesting things about it was that the, the head of the spear staff was actually hung, tied on with this copper wire and like a red thread. And as you've studied it, one of the things you noticed is that you can undo it. So you have just a staff and then like a separate dagger. And that copper wire has like this little thin red thread that's wrapped around it. And you can't like worry or part the thread from, from the copper wire. So there's something in addition to plus one that that spear staff does and it's somehow connected to a copper wire and a red thread. Interesting. I wonder if uh, it might be somehow electrified or whatever this world uh, would count for electricity. That will have to be investigated further when we get a chance. Yeah, um, 
wood elves are wood elves avians are certainly more inclined towards wind power and electricity than they are to the uh, dwarven fascination with pulling coal out of the earth and turning that into power. So yeah, could be something mm -hmm. along those lines. I figured Fence probably noticed that during the week to 10 days that you were, were traveling along and he had chances to look at the weapon and figure, figure out a little bit more about that. But I forgot to, to mention that before we played last time. He feels uh, attuned to his weapon, but not in the formal D&D &D sense, just in the sense of having practiced with it, he's uh, ready for more adventures. Excellent. Well, why don't you go read the, the recap, remind us, I'm afraid it's a little bit long this time, but you all did not much combat last time, but there was a lot of narrative that played out. So I apologize for, for the lengthy recap, but will Andy guide us through it, would you? Absolutely. Here's a recap of episode 10, a class, a menagerie, a musical performance, and a conversation with Yancy Mukherjee. Claren visits Professor Williams's class with Mouse, Field Mouse. Claren discovers that Professor Williams is a bit bombastic and he's obsessed with absence and tardies. After introducing herself as Mouse, Field Mouse's cousin, Fern, Field Fern, Claren insists that they want to learn and the class should start. Despite the rough beginning, the lecture is complicated and fascinating. It's all about how time and space can be bent the way that water is bent. Mouse, Field Mouse, takes copious notes and promises to share them with Clarence later. The party has Fred the Boatman take them to the floating keep district near the south wall. They climb up from the docks to reach the platforms where Siddharth Two Moons Animal Menagerie sits. There they meet Theraval's old acquaintance, a round little halfling, who is almost obscured amidst the animal cages and supplies. Theraval exchanges a sample of Fitz's remaining ice melt for a burrowing owl. While Sid did something back in the lab with the sample of Fitz, Theraval casts Fine Familiar. It turns out that his connection was not with the burrowing owl, but rather with a piece of the burrowing owl's cage, a twig blight named Aspen Kutcher. As the party leaves, Crenshaw releases the seal on a smoke method that Siddharth had been mistreating. Chaos results within the shop, but the party is long gone and on their way to the Lost Wolf Tavern. Mick performs brilliantly for four hours on stage. The party has dinner and is eventually, at 11 p.m. instead of 8 p.m., joined by Mouse, Field Mouse. Crenshaw, Mick, and Theraval meet with Yancey Mukherjee and his three lieutenants, Fence, Claren, and Mouse, Field Mouse, want and watch the entrance to the Lost Wolf Tavern. In Yancey's office, much is discussed and some information exchanged. Yancey learns that Ged Grayson is dead and that he was using a cave beast to rob people. The party learns that Yancey knows a lot about goings on around Ward. 
Crenshaw suggests that Yancey looked for a certain Umber Oshuxen ward and that Umber would know more about Ged's dealings. This is a bit of a feint because Crenshaw and the party believe that Ged or that Umber is in Mirport, not Ward. Finally, Yancey warns the party that Dean Gia Haunting and the Lunar Academy's agents aren't always to be trusted. Yancey shares that he himself has just sent a group of four adventurers to look for a missing member of the Academy, a certain Sabin, whose tower is located along the north coast of the mountain bay. The party does not divulge that they have recently discovered Sabin dead in a different wizard tower, one located on an island in Long Lake, and that they are going to report to Dean Gia Haunting at the Lunar Academy the next evening at 6 p.m. In parting, Yancey gives Mick a bag of 25 gold pieces and thanks him immensely for the music earlier in the evening. It was a true delight for these old dwarfish ears, I tell you, a true delight. It's 1 a.m. and sleep in beds beckon at either the hidden rose or the captain's rest. All right. So my assumption is that indeed the party is heading to not the hidden rose, but the, the captain's rest and going to sleep the night there, spend the next day bumpering around Ward, and that we should pick it up at about 5.45 p.m. with you all arriving at the, um, the Lunar Academy and heading up to the fifth floor towards um, Dean Haunting's office. But, you know, it's a role-playing game, and I don't want to necessarily insist that you all go to bed at 1 a.m. or that you just, you know, spend your time traveling and shopping on the, the rich canal, sort of the equivalent of Rodeo Drive that leads up to the Lunar Academy. So I'm happy to throw the, the map on and let you tell me what you wanna do, or I'm happy to go to 545 the next day and have you heading straight up to see um, Gia Haunting. I would just like make, to make some time in the day to uh, review Mouse Field Mouse's notes from class. Just try to learn a thing or two from them. That's probably how okay. I would like to spend my time. Um, sure. Yeah. Do you want to give me a, um, you want to, it seems like an investigation check would probably be the most appropriate. Okay. See what I can learn. Yeah. Give me, yeah. Give me, give me a roll. And I would say either investigation or actually probably Arcana would be, would be more appropriate since Professor yeah. Williams notes were on bending time and space like you're able to to bend or pour water sure all right that's a natural 20. um wow. i'm extremely interested 22 with the modifier yeah so you see exactly why um mouse field mouse was so fascinated by this lecture as you read through um 
her notes. So Professor Williams um, seems to believe and seems to have discovered secrets for um, wizards being able to basically pour time or space the way that most mortals pour um, liquid. So if you wanted to say cap uh, a an episode in time, you could magically say it poured into the equivalent of a shot glass, put it up somewhere, it seems to you like in the astral plane or between space and time, and then later be able to access that particular moment. Um, even with a 20, while you're able to understand that Professor Williams and probably other folks at the Lunar Academy have access to some of these secrets, it's not like you could suddenly cast the levels of spells. You know, this is perhaps more theory than uh, a guide to bending space and time put into practice. But theoretically, um, he seems to beyond to something that's pretty powerful. Hmm. With a with an with that natural 20, um are there sources that Mouse Field Mouse has cited in her notes that I might pursue to see if there's some low-level spells I could perhaps acquire or seek to acquire that would help us um with this? Yes. Yeah, so I guess what I would say is if you, so these would be wizard spells, mm -hmm. um, although potentially druid spells, if you wanted to look through any of the, the rule books, um, I would be willing to say like you found that a segment of that spell, but it would have to be something within the levels that you're able to, to cast. All right. And, you know, it could be related, yeah, and however you want it to be related to, to time or space, that would be there. There's also references um, to source materials like particular books that are in the Lunar Academy's library, and also there's some interesting references to a place called Steam Hill and a guy named um, Malty... Um, um, Alder Etmore, so like some other investigator who had had been working on this. Okay, that's great. Cool. All right. Well, I'm very intrigued by what I have learned, but there's also work to do. Yeah. No, and I'm interested. Like, so if Janae, if you as a, a player want to look at spells, normally it would only be a druid spell, but with the nat 20, there may be a wizard spell, you know, first, second level, or even a cantrip that for whatever reason in reading over Mouse, Field Mouse's notes, you were like, oh, I could do that. So, okay, you know, look through the books between now and next time. And if there's something I'm willing to bend it with a, with a nat 20, because that seems, seems appropriate. Yay. All right. Great. That's very exciting. I'll do some homework, both imaginary and real homework. It would be interesting to see um, what cantrips or say first level spells um, are commonly researched by both wizards and druids. 
we we think that there wouldn't be a lot of overlap because of the difference between intelligence and wisdom but i bet there are some there's gotta be yeah and i'm if you want to come up with a homebrew um you could do that there's another campaign i have a a little witch and she came up with a spell called um mud blood at one point in time and like it can turn thicken someone's blood but it's sort of a you know equivalent of a whole person but with a few other weird effects so you know mm, okay i will i will brainstorm though of course mud blood just made me think of harry potter um I suppose it probably was was inspired by that, but it, the word was inspired by that, but the mechanics of it are much more like a weird version of hold person. Cool, cool. All right, that's really exciting. Okay, so I may have another spell in my arsenal here soon enough. Thanks, yeah. Mal. So other, yeah, other things that folks wanna do and really quickly just on the map, I'll try to use the highlighter here. Um, if you remember, um, the Lost Wolf is like right over here. Um, the Lunar Academy is over this way. Oh, well, so I'm failing on using the highlighter. We'll stop that. Um, oh, it's highlighted text. So in any case, that's just sort of the, the spacing of things. Could, uh... Mick, do a quick check of the area and see where the best place to play would be in this, if he wants to get some notoriety in there. Oh, you mean so far Ven for venues? Yeah, venues, venues where they would. Not, he's not looking for a, a to play right now. He's just trying to find out what's the best venue to play when they return to this town. Yeah. Um, well, so the Lost Wolf was a fairly successful venue for you. Um, if you were going to play during the day, there's this sort of plaza area a little okay. bit to the south, if you can see where I'm going with the cursor right now, um, that certainly a number of musicians, there's sort of an open air market there. And during the day, there are musicians that are playing there. There's um, a number of other bars around. There's the... Um, the red unicorn there's the um the sea urchin so there's a couple of places um the ones on the hill are more up class and in some ways mick might be as drawn to places either down in the shallows or the floating keep district um just because they're a little bit seedier and rougher and mm -hmm might not produce as much money from the performance, but might be more interesting venues to play as you, you know, chat up the, the other musicians who are hanging around like the marketplace and stuff during the day. Got it. Okay. That's, that's all I need. I have a question and maybe it should have been one that uh, was asked of uh, Mr. Mukherjee though that might've, um, triggered or uh, signaled our interest. And that is, uh, I had heard a rumor that there is a tattoo artist in Ward named Dirk Trujillo, uh, who could do an Eldritch Claw tattoo for 2000 gold pieces. I don't have 2000 gold pieces, but uh, this is, this might be a future reason for me to come back to Ward 
if we can confirm that this person exists and has the skill uh, for this uh, tattoo that would be particularly apt for a monk to emblazon himself with? Yeah, so that would have been a fantastic question for Mr. Mr. Mukherjee, but Fence was, was not in there. Right. Um, however, um, if you want to give me a role, and I'm not sure what ability would be most appropriate for this, you can tell me. But, you know, during the day following, you've got from 9, 10, 7, whenever you wake up, probably for fence, it's closer to 6, um, you know, wandering around the town. So you could certainly ask about the, the tattoo artist and see what you've heard. Right. I don't know. Um that this is a survival question. So it, it might just be an investigation role, which is not a huge strength of mine, but I can give it a try. Yeah, and uh, I mean, if you wanted to argue for perception instead, uh, because uh, sort of investigation, but it's more like wandering around the town, looking to right. see where tattoo parlors are, I could, I could be persuaded in terms of other directions. Excellent. Well, um, I'd like to, uh, seeing that my investigation role was a one, I excuse me, a four, I would like to um, persuade on perception. Plus, I've got a lot of time to walk around the city. Uh, for perception, I rolled a 16, um, and I have a plus seven on perception because of my wisdom. So that comes out to 23. Yeah, so Fence begins the morning by asking at 6 a.m. all around the little area of the shallows by the captain's rest where you're staying. And, uh, you know, most Denzians of the shallows at 6 a.m. are not going to help you out much with the investigation. So that perhaps explains the four. But wandering around on your own, um, you actually go over the bridge into the floating keep area. And surprisingly enough, down here along the docks by the mouth of the Melancholia River, um, you actually see um, a sign for the tattoo artist that you're looking for. Excellent. Uh, I, I think I'm just gonna pocket that information uh, for right now and then um, perhaps well, I don't, um, I don't know if I should trust the rumor. Maybe I should confirm that he could even do this uh, tattoo. So if it's uh, operating hours, um, could I walk in the front door and see if a proprietor is there? Yeah, so when you first pass at around eight or 9 a.m., it is not operating hours, but later during the day, you swing back by there and it's a little bit afternoon and the shop is indeed opening up. Um, and there is a, um, it's a relatively small shop. Um, it looks like there are say four tattoo artists there. Um, three of them seem to have offices downstairs and there's a set of rickety stairs that seem to go up to the back that fewer folks are, are heading up. Um, excellent. Is there signage that might uh, point me towards uh, Dirk Trujillo, or um, I suppose I could just walk up to the nearest tattoo artist and um, inquire uh, where I could find this uh, artisan? 
Yes. So the three folks that are downstairs are sort of working away. And when you mention Dirk's name, the one sort of points to the rickety stairs that go up back. And but he says Dirk won't be in until dusk at best. All right. Uh, all right, good. This is good for me to know uh, for right now, a beginning of my quest, but at least I know where to um, come back to find uh, Dirk's tattoo shop uh, for an evening tattoo, should I ever be able to uh, fund it. Uh, uh, go ahead. Uh, he, the, the person turns in is like, Dirk takes appointments pretty long in advance. He's he's in high demand and doesn't doesn't work all that often but the work that he does and that he sort of turns and shows like a dragon tattoo that goes over the back of his arm and you're surprised it almost looks like the thing has actual scales on it and seems to move on on this gentleman's bicep wow that's much more impressive than um the dragon tattoos that uh, Kane had in the TV show Kung Fu. Uh, one of the intellectual heroes of Fence the Monk. All right, this is good to know. I'm gonna reconverge now uh, with the rest of my party now that I have this information. Excellent. You make it back up to the captain's rest and the rest of your party is perhaps barely waking up at this point in time. I'm right, sure that I other... drink less than they do. <laughs> any other expeditions during the day before heading over for the evening meeting with Dean Haunting? Yes. Uh, as an elf, I also don't sleep a whole lot. So going to bed at 1, 1 a.m. and then waking up at like, I don't know, 5 is plenty of rest uh, in my in trance states and whatnot. But um, what, 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 uh, what Theraval would like to do is actually, um, you see this land um, next to the North Lagoon in between and, and the council? Like, it, it looks like there's a flat of land. Um, like this space yeah, over that here. Space. I would love uh -huh. to get a quote for like a parcel of land up in that area. And maybe in, even including part of the North Lagoon for like... I don't know, enclosing for animals or something, or how do we go about doing this? I need to find a surveyor. Yeah, there's there's a guy named Umber Oshucks. I hear a lot of people are looking for him. <laughs> I'm gonna kill him. <laughs> uh, no, actually, if you go by the mountain bank, which is where Crenshaw deposited, um, his money there is a, there are folks there who deal with titles around land and although it's a bit frustrating for Theraval um, the bureaucracy like slowly gets rolling and there is a, a title expert in the mountain bank and it is um, a little gnome who like keeps all these records and has like Rolodexes that um, she's flipping through. And she's actually able to point out a number of places. So land that would be close to the town. So basically this strip of 
this waterway here is what I was calling like the equivalent of Rodeo Drive. This is like the most expensive shopping area in town. So land like right here would probably be pretty expensive. But as you move further up along the, the North Lagoon, it would get a little bit less expensive. And so you could certain there is certainly land available like anywhere along the North Lagoon, or if you wanted to go for the higher price stuff, you could go right down here, right at the edge of town. I, I, I'm gonna glam. Uh, I, before going, I, I would have glamoured my my armor to appear more upscale and like act insulted at the at the idea of purchasing an inexpensive piece of land that like, no one wants. <laughs> no, no, uh, we we uh, want this area exactly for the reason that's like it's close to that Rodeo Drive. It's in between. It's nearby the Lunar Academy. Maybe we could exercise, figure out like a partnership there to show students to exotic magical animals. And, you know, if, if maybe we can piss off the rich people in the council area with like, I don't know, nightly animal noises. You're speaking my language. So, yeah. So, so the clerk at first, when, when you started pointing out like the fancy armor and why you want this, she is chagrined that she suggested anything cheap and like is apologetic but then when you make the comment about lots of animal noises to disturb the council she's suddenly back on i i don't think that land is for you i don't think i can help you get the title we don't want any disturbances with the council here i meant i meant you know calming relaxing music from like birds uh, chirping and things like that yeah, if you were to go in, whether from your own wealth or from someone else's, you know, like a council person like Mr. Mukherjee, or if you had the Lunar Academy behind you, there's land right there along the North Lagoon that is, there are three parcels that are indeed for, for sale. Ooh, can we look at the specs? Or like, you know, get that in writing. So for like later discussions. Yep. She she is happy to pull stuff up. And if you would check, I'm, I'm trying to imagine what land would cost. So we're talking like three parcels right here. So basically the equivalent like square, if we're zeroing in on this, we would draw in new new property like in, you know that vicinity and i'm not sure what property would go for it, it, it needs to be bigger for like the larger animals and bears and things janae changes claren changes into oh. uh, so i'm thinking i'm thinking three times that big uh, i'm trying to include water so like that yeah yeah but maybe move it over a little more, a little more uh -huh, over land. Uh -huh. So it would have an aquatic center, you know, for part of them. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. And then, yeah, yeah, that's, that's much better. Oh, very nice. Um, so let's say she says 5,000 gold pieces. We'll talk about that later. 
<laughs> I don't tell her this, but I'm at 97 gold. <laughs> right, but you but you look good, you know. So, but that's 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 your land. That's that's that so, so is. I have their the money. I'll food. tell her I have the money. It's just not liquid. Well, when when you have it liquid, we can certainly titles. Would you like to um, leave your name? I can have my manager. Um, get in touch with you. Sure thing. And is there a deposit to, so they, they don't sell to anyone else? Um, yeah, so to, to have my manager start, have us start working on the title, it's a 20 gold piece fee for me to start, start processing it. Oh, I'll give that. We'll and, just... then, and then when, once the paperwork is done, um, it is a thousand gold pieces down. So 20% down but I need to start on the paperwork first. Okay. That sounds good. Okay. I'm She's... just gonna cry back to the party later about can I get, please get a thousand gold for borrowing. Okay. So you're, you're giving her 20 gold pieces. She writes you up a receipt that says that the, the mountain bank is starting a transaction for Theraval Fantastical to acquire she had said three parcels. You ask for three times that, four times that for 12 parcels um, along the eastern edge of the North Lagoon. Yep, for 5,000 in total. For 5,000 in total. Yep, so you have that paperwork and have passed over the 20 gold pieces. Yay, okay. I'm gonna skip all the way back to the party. High as a kite. Also, could I have All taken right. her? Was there like any security there? Oh, there was security, yeah. Okay, darn it. Maybe next time. All right, are we heading to the Lunar Academy? Let's do it. Land acquisition, spell acquisition, tattoo acquisition or almost tattoo acquisition musical performance spaces, many things found. So uh, Crenshaw has plans, but nothing comes of it. So that's just really quickly that Crenshaw doesn't go to the same hotel as everyone else. He goes back to the one that they're paying for, visibly goes in and then sneaks out again so that the rooms are clearly being used. And then, uh, Crenshaw's never been in a city this big. So he's just going to walk around the city for most of the night, just getting a sense for what it's like here. And then he sleeps in really late the next day and will, I don't know what magic items cost. I don't usually buy magic items. So I don't even know where he'd go to look for them. Well, it depends on what type of, of magic items you were looking for. He's gonna look the next day. He's not even gonna look today. So he's just gonna sleep in really late. And, uh, and then the next morning go out and as Crenshaw <clears throat> and just buy a really expensive breakfast somewhere okay yep give me take take four gold pieces off for your expensive breakfast 
brunch. All right, so 6 p.m. the next day, you find yourselves heading up the steps at the Lunar Academy, and you are admitted to Gia Haunting's office. Um, she is sitting behind this great big wooden desk. There are books behind her. The bookshelves behind her have not only books on them, but they have globes. They have like ships in bottles. There's a ship in a bottle sitting on her desk. There's a globe. There's actually not just a globe, but like an orrery. So it's one of those structures that's got all sorts of metal things, but then it looks like other pieces of metal going through it. There's um, a sculpture of the world tree that's sitting on the side of her desk. Um, lots of lots of books. Um, and Gia Haunting is actually surprisingly um, young for a, a dean of the Lunar Academy. I mean, she looks like she's 30 something years old, 35 years old. Um, and she says, ah, I hear, I hear you have news of um, Sabin for me. And she's looking at Crenshaw. I assume all of you have come in. And just by the way, Mouse Fieldmouse hung around with you all like up until you went into your hotel, then she disappeared. And actually, as you've come into the Lunar Academy, she's joined with you. And there are now six of you that have come into the room, not counting um, familiars and burrowing owls. Uh, Crenshaw, unless someone else wants to do the, the speaking, Crenshaw will uh, agree that we do have some information about Sabin. Uh, Ed Berg contacted us and requested us to look into his disappearance. Ah, uh, I that that I know. I had I had asked the good detective to send some people to find out what had happened on in Sabin's Tower on Sabin's Island in the the south part of of Long Lake. And it seems from what you told my secretary the other day that um, you indeed found why Sabin was um, not so communicative recently. Uh, Crenshaw will go into <clears throat> the whole story or as much of the story as she will let him tell of um, Sabin summoning the worm that walks and being, uh, being killed by it. So... Are we going to tell her about the imp too that has a soul? That depends. I'm going to leave the imp out at first. Okay. I'm going to see where she takes it. But it's, well, Crenshaw just goes with, he summoned a worm that walks, the worm that walks escaped and killed him. I'm interested in more of your details. Now, I realize you all are probably undertaking this for Detective Berg for different reasons. And I'm actually very impressed with the fact that you found this out about Sabin, but 
there's a reason that I'm one, not terribly surprised that you found that he's dead. Um, but I'm curious about the worm that walks and some of the details that you may that you may have noticed. Um, Saban's disappearances are um, are indeed troubling. Hello, you've been sending adventurers for months trying to find the Saban. We we should get a medal or something. Well, we have been sending folks to find him for months, and you're not the first ones that have found him. It's just that you keep finding him in different places. Which is why the details Can you say more are... about that? <laughs> Can you tell us a little more? Well, so- Different places how? Well, let's see. Sabin's tower and Mr. Sabin has been found dead west of Nordhus. Mr. Sabin and his tower have been found on an island in Long Lake. Um, there's been a report of Mr. Sabin disappearing from along the shore of Mountain Bay. In fact, we're having that looked at as she looks at a, a calendar. Oh, right now we should be hearing back um, sometime soon. There's been another sighting of Sabin's Tower south around Dura. And every time anyone goes, I'm sort of taking an interest in how many times Mr. Sabin can die and be found. So you said <clears throat> Long Lake, and he's always found in his you. tower? Yeah, the tower is pretty much the same, but mm -hmm. I'm curious to know about some of the details that you saw he wrapped in nice gardens around the outside, spiral path coming up. Pseudo dragons outside. Leaf fleshies. Um, yeah, leaf fleshies in in the the um, begonia outside. Um, pagonia outside. The distortions in space. Um, I'm not sure what you mean by distortions in space. As so, Crenshaw will draw the island. Okay. Here's the island. Ah, she, she takes your, your drawing and she pulls out another sheet of paper and sets it down and then pulls out another sheet of paper. Mm -hmm. And you're looking from the other side of the desk. They're not exactly alike, but these three sheets look pretty similar. The visual... Uh, I do, I have two books. Um, the visual space around the island was distorted. Things seemed farther away than they really were. Uh, when we were on the beach, I'm trying to remember, it's been a long time. Crenshaw would certainly remember this. When we were on the beach, the tower looked a certain distance away. 
it always looked the same distance. Yeah. yeah. The tower always looked the same distance away and, as and, we went uh, in a spiral around the island. And, and at least counter, once we counter, were counter, retracing our counterclock, she says counterclockwise. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that squares with the, with the Nordhus group. And when were you going to tell us this? Were, were you saving it for later? But I'm going to cast, cast hideous laughter on her. Oh no! To laugh at my joke. <laughs> I don't know if we should be casting spells at the dean. She has That'll to make go well. a saving throw. <laughs> she oh, has to make terrible. a saving throw? Okay, you, so you're casting hideous laughter? Yes, this DC is 12. Uh, that's a nat 20. Oh no. Uh -oh. She goes, you're, you're cute. Um, I, I appreciate it. I, I could definitely, definitely use Use a smile, Mr. Theraval. Um, but we sort of have bigger things. Like, tell me more about demons and undead that might have been around, or rather, devils that might have been around, because this might have something to do with what's happened with Sabin and. I'm thinking you all might be able to help us with um, some of the other challenges that we've been having. Because I think I have a another island, not one by Sabin, but another island out in Calther Sea that might be connected with this. There was an imp who uh, that seemed to be. Saban's familiar, <laughs> or we we assumed to be Saban's familiar, or yeah. Crenshaw is Crenshaw's quiet for a moment, and Crenshaw asks Sign, "Was the imp his familiar?" Yes, but it only became his familiar recently. Um, he used to and not then have a devil familiar. He had. He had a a, um, a crow familiar before, and then he changed familiars, which is when Kos and I began having trouble with him. Um, okay, and did Sign. she know anything about the different towers in different places? No. Okay. You also didn't mention us to the dean. Not yet. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> should I? Seems like an important detail. Mm -hmm. um, so Crenshaw says, sorry, Dean. He had a, a pair of twins that worked for him. Yes. Coast and sign. Hmm. Really? I'm. I'm like, asking you. Real twins? Were they twins? 
they, they were certainly sisters. They were twins. They were twins. Yeah, that's what I thought. They were twins. Um, they didn't, one of them ran you messages. We found our, her body with a message to you. Sabin did have half a dozen or so messengers who worked for him, who used to bring messages to the Lunar Academy from time to time. We only found two. Uh, we found one dead as we entered the island and the other one was eventually killed by the worm before we could rescue her. Oh, you're no. talking human. You're talking yes. human messengers. Human messengers. Oh. Uh, well, at least they were human in form when, when you found them both dead? Yes. Hmm. Now, he had a crow as his familiar, yes? Yeah. Yeah, it would it would have taken um, crow form. You said he had a devil, though. And apparently, the crow was replaced by an imp of some kind, a devil. Hmm. We show her the runes of the of like that. You remember at the tower, the circle, the summoning circle. circle. There was a there was a summoning circle. Um, and the imp had possession of the worm's soul. The worm's soul or Sabin's soul? Go Sabin. It, the, the, the imp's last lines were, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna cast minor illusion to like imitate the sound of the imp was okay. just like, you yeah. got rid of him, but I got his soul. Yeah, 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 or something like, I don't know. Mm. I took that to be the, uh, the worm, the, to be the oh. worm's soul. Oh, I, th I thought it was Sabin's soul too. Uh, so Did you Saban? all, you all don't know the, the imp took someone's soul away. I keep having Sabin, one of my most knowledgeable wizards, show up either as a worm or dead when people go looking for him. His half dozen messengers keep showing up, some with messages and some without. Some of his messengers have stopped reporting to any of the Lunar Academy's agents. But you all have given me more information than, than most on this. Have you noticed anything with, um, did you notice anything with purple lights around Sabin's tower? And I, I wanna do a, uh, a memory site. Yeah. Yeah, I want to do an insight check. Okay. Um, and I just, because through this conversation, uh, Crenshaw's being deliberately pretty forthright. 
Mm-hmm. And I want to know what she's surprised about or if there's anything that she's dissembling. Okay. Yeah, give me give me the role. Being truthful. Yeah. Twenty-one. Okay. Um yeah, so in some I mean she's been guarded as we've talked through this. She seemed particularly surprised when you mentioned finding the bodies of the two messengers. Um, she seemed to not be surprised at all with the, with the path and the way that the, the tower always appeared the same distance. She seemed not surprised at all with the, with the crow as his old familiar or the imp as his new familiar. And she seemed intrigued about the details of the summoning circle and also the devil. And that's what's led her to this questioning about like a, about per, any purple lighting that you've seen or noticed. Do we, um, I don't know if it's fair to ask this question. Do we remember any purple lighting? Seems like this happened about three months ago and I don't remember any but I don't know if, um, if we would. Would one of Crenshaw's interior voices? Yeah, none of you remember any purple okay. light right. from there. I mean, nothing that does not ring a bell. There was, um, there was also like a, a lab where a number of experiments took place. And I think that's where we um, liberated Fitz. And if I remember correctly, um, there was some druidic writing that revealed the nature of some of those experiments. I don't know if that's information worth sharing with the Dean. Yeah, that's, um, you all have been immensely helpful. And I see you've also taken one of our, our students under under your wing. Um, I think there's one more thing that um, you all might be able to help us with. Um, Mr. Jones, would you pick up that, the, um, that bottle with the, with the boat in it right there? And the, uh, like near the front of the, her desk, there's a boat in a bottle that's like sitting right in front of you. Um. A boat with a bottle in it. Sorry, or a bottle, a with, bottle a with a boat. But I think I might have mixed that up. No, um, I think that was the, was the DM. Yeah, there. I'm I'm gonna want an insight roll on that before I pick okay. up anything on the magical dean's desk. <laughs> Probably a smart decision. I'll pick it up. That's a thirteen. <laughs> I'll, I'll cast mage give, hand. Give it That's to Terrible. Our... <laughs> Terrible, agent of chaos. Okay, so we're, What's we're, your wisdom, we're, we're going here, but first we got we got an investigation check and then we have Mage Chan picking something up. Mm-hmm. But first let's do the investigation check. What well, did you the roll? Insight. The insight was 13. 13. Uh-huh. Um, well, what's most interesting, you're sort of looking and you're looking at, she said, uh, Mr. Jones, would you pick up the, the boat in the bottle? 
and the the bottle is sitting there sort of like this one and in fact what's interesting is there is a boat inside it but the water is moving oh whoops this bottle actually leaks out the top that's not what I mean. <laughs> um, this bottle like the water is actually moving and the boat seems to be sailing on the bottle and as you're looking at it and thinking about do I pick this up or not a mage hand reaches over and grabs it and picks up the bottle. And I need all of you to roll a DC 15 wisdom saving throw. Sorry, thir DC 13 wisdom saving throw. I didn't touch it. Where is it? D DC 13. What's the so DC a wisdom saving throw 13 or higher? Oh, oh, I, okay, I got it. Wisdom saving throw. You, I got it, got it, got it, got it. All right. Yeah. And you all should probably I'm go into roll 20 at the moment. 17. Huh, I got a nine. I got a seven. Even though I'm so wise. Same. Yeah, I got a 12. All right, hold on. I so we're we're heading into roll 20. If you're looking on your screen. Um so really quick, Janae, what did what did you get? A nine. A nine. Okay. Um fence. Seven. Okay. Um Crenshaw. Got a rock. I got a four. A four. Okay. Um, Theraval? I got a 17 with the help of a lucky feat. Of course you did. Okay. Yeah. First um, thing I'm going to do is throw Theraval overboard. <laughs> wow well if if you're looking right now there is splashing as crenshaw and field mouse um mouse field mouse are splashing in salt water off the port side of the boat in the bottle um theraval and drake and Aspen are up on the deck. Mick, what did you roll on the saving okay, throw? So I is my saving throw modifier the same as my like plus two or whatever on my wisdom? On or is it wisdom? Yes. Okay, so it, it says plus one on my thing, but it's because it's old and I haven't updated. So I got a 13. 13. Um, okay, so that's that's a success, but um perhaps not as strong of a success as the 17. Okay, so these are your, your locations on a, a boat um, that looks exactly like the boat in the bottle, although you all like are sucked onto this boat, moved through space and time, both at first to the boat in the bottle, but now that boat in the bottle appears to be sailing somewhere on the ocean, um, Fence and Claren, you've wound up in the hold of this boat. We're in the um, brig. Oh, not so much the brig, but the where the um, 
I suppose, cannonballs and where the crew sleeps. And so you're you're below deck. Okay. Um, That's not as bad. Mick, you've landed on the main deck. Um, Theraval, you've landed right next to the captain, a uh, person as, as you're getting sucked down, um, you do hear the Dean Haunting's voice going, tell Captain Tellez that I sent you. And Crenshaw, you wind up, uh, not Crenshaw, Theraval, you wind up right next to um, a five foot seven, five foot eight, um, sort of willowy um, redhead who has her hands on the, the steering wheel of this boat. Um, and she's like looking forward and turns and looks and says, oh, um, Gia Haunting sent you, didn't she? I, I, I mean, I'm just gonna completely ignore the whole party about and be concerned for everyone else. Cause, and like, I'm gonna bow very grace, like, you know, very deep and then says like, absolutely. And who am I speaking with? <laughs> Dean Hunt, Dean, who, what was her name? Sent us. Dean Hunting. Hunting. Um, I'm, I'm Captain, Captain Tellez the Red. And she sort of nods to you. You hear, man overboard, person overboard. Um, Mouse is going, I can't swim, I can't swim, I can't swim. I immediately um, wrap Mouse up. Like I, I tuck my arm under her and I'm gonna make an athletics check to swim. No, two things. First, I'm gonna cast calm emotions. Okay. Second, I'm gonna tuck my arm under her and do an athletics check to keep us both afloat. Okay, give me that athletics check. Okay, she, um, Let's see. Let me make the athletics check. Wait a are they, we've got to get them overboard. Does Mick see this? Um, yeah, you, well, you hear the noise um, of people splashing and you see the sailor who was sort of close to your area runs okay. over to, to the edge. Uh, Crenshaw, uh, 13 on an athletics check. 13 on the athletics check, but I'm okay. almost, yeah. so I'm putting that together with a calm emotions. So okay. a calm emotions. You know, do me a favor, roll, roll again, roll at advantage with that calm emotions. Okay. Um, and then she has to make a charisma saving throw. She can choose to fail if she wishes. Um, oh, she chooses to fit. Yes, certainly okay. helping her calm her emotions would be something she would want at this point because cool. she's a little anxious. My second roll is a 12. <laughs> All right. Um, so I was thinking a 13 was enough to like not have her drowning, but is not really like a comfortable set. It, you could not keep floating here with her. Like you're going to need to grasp a rope that um, in fact that this sailor here has just thrown over in your direction. Okay. Um, before I have you do that, Mick, would you like to do anything else? I would like to bardically inspire them for their next, for his next action to make sure that they get on board. And I think Mick will also uh, ask is it Terrace the Red? 
um, Telez. Telez the Red, just or, or or say you know basically say to the uh, the the uh, say there. Those are our friends. We have to get them. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. The sailor throws a rope over. Um, I'm going to have Crenshaw and Mouse um, each roll a um, athletics check to see if they can grab onto the rope. Can we add a D4 to that? Is that right? Uh, one, 1D8, I think. Is... Wait, that wasn't supposed yeah, to Yeah, and I think you that have to choose. That was also not supposed to roll. Hang on. Yeah, I think you're also supposed to choose whether you've inspired Mouse, Field Mouse, or Crenshaw. Oh, I, I am inspiring Crenshaw. Okay. He can hear the Mouse. Okay. I was trying to pull up the advanced dice roller, not actually roll a bunch of D20s. All right, there we go. It's a D4, right? D8. Yeah, D4 to add to it. Oh, D8. Mm -hmm. He said D8. Is that what you said? 1D8. Yeah, it used to be 1D6, but you said the, okay. the next level is 1D8. Well, that's a 16 okay. for Crenshaw. But oh, Crenshaw, yeah. what Crenshaw is doing, well, tell me what Mouse does, and then I'll tell you what I do. Um, she is able to grab onto the rope with, with one arm. So she's holding it. With your role, you're able to grab firmly onto the rope. Mm -hmm. If, you know, our... If there's something else you want to do, let me know. Uh, what Crenshaw was going to do was flip the rope around, like under Mouse's uh, arms, to make okay. her easier to pull with the rope. Okay. Um, yeah, that's that's fine. And are you still holding onto the rope as well, or are you just wrapping it around her and treading? Um, Crenshaw's going to make sure that she is safe before, like he's keeping one hand on the rope because you never let like he grew up on the on the ocean like on the on the long lake so you never right. let go of the rope so he wraps it around her without endangering himself gotcha um fence and claren would you all like to do anything yes i'd like to uh determine how it is we can get out of uh the hull of the ship I'm wondering if I see uh, a ladder or a staircase going upwards. Um, yes, yeah. so there is a set of stairs that leads up to like into under this area of the deck and you can go up that way and then this set of stairs comes out. So basically you would go around and if you want to come out you could place yourselves right there like that if that makes sense great that's what i do i say okay. hey claren let's go topside follow me i absolutely will follow fence and go the same way excellent thank you you two are climbing up um And relatively soon, Crenshaw and Field Mouse have been pulled up onto the deck of the boat. Um, while this is happening, Telez turns to Theraval and says, so why did your friends end up in the water? Did, did the Dean send you quickly with little warning? 
I, I'm not breaking eye contact with Captain Telez. This is an oddity here. Um, and I, I'm just going to uh, say, like, absolutely. Um, it was 100% deliberate. You know, this is, uh, you know, quite an adventure. Where are we? How long are we staying out here? Where are we going? <laughs> I bet we're heading towards that island that she spoke of, but we'll find out soon enough. Um, well, I think you all aren't going to be with me too long. Um, Miss Cutter Isle is, well, it's it's off the, the port bow at this point in time. And I assume, well, since this is as planned of trip as you're, you're talking about, um, I assume you know where, where you would like me to drop you. Um, she points like up to the Northeast, so off the starboard bow. And while the rest of you are climbing out of, out of the bilges or out of the hold or out of the water, um, you're not able to see it, but your buddy Theraval is able to look and see something that looks like this. Oh my God, it's a map. It's a map. If you look on the lower left-hand part of the, the map, you'll see a ship that looks amazingly like um, Captain Tellez's Sojourner. And you see an island perhaps. So her boat is over here, which you're on it at the moment. And you see an island that looks like this. I, you can't really see the details off to the Northeast, but you can see, see the rest of it here. And that's what you've got. So Captain Telez, where are we on, not this map, but like the world map? My, my, my crew and I have to know for finding our way back. Well, oh. I think that this is the island that we've been sent to for our next adventure, if I, that's what I'm gathering. Mm. I, I didn't agree to that with the Dean, I'm pissed. <laughs> You did touch the I did magic not bottle. Touch the magic bottle. Your mage hand. She told did. us to touch the magic bottle. She was she was out to get us this whole time, and now we're doing free labor for her. Um. So. I need to form a union or something. Ca Captain Tellus says, "My charming sir and." Oh, you introduced yourself and bowed as as Theraval Fantastical, right? Yes, Captain Theraval Fantastical. Captain <laughs> Theraval, um, she says, look at the chart here and I will help you get your bearings in the world, my good man. And she shows you a map here and she says, we're right here to the southwest of Mistcutter Island. I've been sailing out of Oost for over a week now. I've turned the, turned the edge of Socalth Island and now we're sailing towards Mistcutter Island. And, you know, I had the, 
the usual scroll that spelled out that guests were going to be arriving from, from the Lunar Academy. And I was to drop you on Miss Cutter Island. So that's where I'm heading. And lo and behold, I thought I was gonna have to circle around this, this monstrosity rock formation, but you're here, perfect timing. I have to say, Gia always, always has her timing down like nobody's business. Oh, and I'm sitting here telling you about all this and I haven't shared the screen. Yeah, sorry, Where, where's this? Yeah, we can see Mist Cutter. <clears throat> yeah, I, 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 that, this I realized, hold on. Uh, there we go, sorry. So I've been circling this island here. Here's, here's Miss Cutter on our campaign map. And Captain Tellez was explaining she had sailed out of Oast, around the edge of Oast over here by the shallow Biscayne Bay and was heading up and is now right off the Southwest side of Miss Cutter Island. Remind me, is Miss Cutter Island the island that the Dean wanted us to go investigate? Um, yes, it's the same one. The other map is a more detailed version. Okay. Miss, she hadn't told you the name of it. She just sent you into the into the boat in the bottle on her desk. Um, is Field Mouse our Field Mouse and Crenshaw up on the the deck? I assume we got pulled up. Um, yes. So uh, I will. If I stop the share and we go back to roll 20 here, I can show you where you all, here, I'll move you back to the, the boat. So this is the positions where you all are on the boat. Okay. Um, is, is Mouse okay? Did she take on any water? Uh, she's sputtering. She doesn't look too good. Uh, no, no significant damage, although she looks even more bedraggled than, than usual and is sputtering. But um, Crenshaw, with your knowledge of boats, um, no, you know, no need for CPR, no, no real inhaling of water. She'll be fine. Okay. Um, then prestidigitation will dry us both off. Okay. So I will prestidigitate the two of us. So that we're not waterlogged. So have your friends come up, come up to the, the bridge here, and you all can discuss which one of these many lovely beaches here on Miss Cutter Island that you would like me to um to drop you at. Um but the, the, Captain Telez, there's so much more to discuss. Like, what what are your plans for you, you and your crew? And what is this lovely ship we're aboard? Uh, well, the 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 lovely vessel is the Sojourner, and we sail Calther Sea. 
I do some business for the Lunar Academy, some business for myself. And at the moment, I'm dropping a group on Miss Cutter Island. And I'm about to continue my journey towards, um, towards Recon. Those of you who are down in the hold did notice that the, the hold was empty. There's not, I mean, cannonballs, a little bit of foodstuffs, but this is not a vessel that is carrying, you know, a laden cargo vessel. Um, fence and Claren, you, you would know that. Um. Crenshaw simply leans against the boat crosses his arms and watches Theraval. Fence thinks to himself that he's grateful that Theraval has not cast any spells on the captain of this ship yet. It's about to happen. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm and and Fence is also grateful for the quick transportation to our next mm -hmm. destination. Mm -hmm. What, 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 can, can I ask Captain Telez, when's the last time she contacted the Lunar Academy? I think her instructions are out of date. Um, no, the instructions came about, about a week ago that I would be receiving passengers and I was from the Lunar Academy and that I was to drop them at Miss Cutter Island. Um, I can tell you some things about Miss Cutter Island if you don't know, although I would have thought the Dean would have would have keyed you into it a little bit. No, no. 20 minutes ago, the Dean told us something completely different. We're, we're actually heading, and I'm just going to BS this, to like to the sea of moving ice. I, I've, never, I've never heard Garibald BSing anything before. <laughs> you have to drop us off. I'm the magic messed up. I'm curious about Miss Cutter Island. I I yell from the deck down below. As am I, and I would be interested in any advice she had of best places to to leave the boat um, to access the island. I think she's dropping us off regardless. But yeah, right. Where where would where would she say where would she suggest starting a hunt of of this of this island yeah so miss miss cutter island is is well known to the sailors of this part although there's an ancient curse on it um fish people that used to torture humans but this was millennia ago um and then for a while pirates used it it was ransacked occasionally but all the treasure's been taken off um although recently there have been these strange purple lights that have been flashing through the fog around it or sailors are beginning to to report these strange signs so i assume that the dean you know that gia told you something about the lighting that was happening and I'm a sea captain not a not a mage so I don't know what she would want you to look at but that's that's what I understand about the island Fair um, enough. 
Do we have any idea? Island with no way of getting off. Oh, we can worry about that later. Um, are oh. there any rumors about uh, the source of these purple lights? I uh, not much on the the source of the the purple lights. Um, and you know, we can talk about how you might want to get off. I the Lunar Academy is paying me for dropping you at uh, the island. They're not paying me to transport you anyplace else. But, you know, if there's a reasonable fee, I could transport you either up to our next port of call, Recon, or somewhere. But I'm not sure that we can afford to wait for you. I mean, we're pretty much dropping you and can come back and pick you up in... Huh. I don't know. I have to check my my travel times. Um, it's probably two weeks or a month before I could be back here. Can we uh, can can Mick try persuasion here and just say you know try to try to negotiate a price and a uh, yeah. And what's confirm. our motivation here? Is this like mercantile? Is that like the sense we're getting from this? This is actually just is this is her job, right? Yeah. Right. But part of, part, yeah, so your your sense is that part of her job is she works for the Lunar Academy. She also does other things, and she's been paid to transport passengers from um, Oost to Miss Cutter Island. It doesn't bother her that you joined right as the boat is about to get to Miss Cutter Island, and then she's planning on heading off to Recon. So, so I am going to ask her to, one, what kind of fee we would need to pay to be assured that she will return here and make sure, you know, give us some kind of uh, passage and uh, ask um, what, what her rate would be if she needs something now or later. And I am going to ask her, um, that I'm going to mention that because we're working for the Lunar Academy, um, we don't have a lot of money right now, but we certainly will when we finish this adventure. And that's a 23. Wow. Nice. All right. So, so she obviously, she has no knowledge that um, Gia Haunting didn't offer to pay you anything, just sent you straight here but she thinks you would be good for the money. So her plan right now is to drop you and to head up to Recon. And literally it would take, she would be back anywhere between two weeks and a month um, by the time she sailed back from Recon towards Oast. And it's, sea winds it's it's genuinely variable um if you think you're going to be quick with a 23 she's willing to entertain waiting for you for a while she says she could wait up to five days for you but it would cost 100 gold pieces per day if she's waiting she doesn't have super pressing business in, in Recon, so they could anchor here for a while. But like I said, it would be at least five days 
I mean, it would, she could wait five days, but it's a hundred gold pieces per day for, for them to sail off the island and wait oh. for you all. Okay, let me let me consult with the group here, and we'll we'll get back to Telez and and group. Um, do, do we think we're gonna? Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, uh, go ahead and do that, and then I'm gonna read you just a little bit of a description to give you a sense of like what the sea conditions are here and what the island is like, and you know, help mm -hmm. get the surround to all of this. I. I I take it that the Lunar Academy can get us out of here as fast as they got us to here. But just in case not, I would like to have her come back. Yeah, I think it's worth I, the insurance because yeah. it doesn't seem like the Lunar Academy is all that concerned for our well-being. I, um, I don't, yeah, I don't think we need to pay her to stick around for five days. As long as we know she's going to swing back by here, we have her word that she'll come back by in two weeks to a month. Others okay with that? That works for um, Fence, but he's uh, patient to a fault. So, uh, you know, he, he looks forward to an opportunity to uh, meditate on a hopefully largely abandoned island for a month. It's Crenshaw a notes, <clears throat> Crenshaw That's notes directly sweet. into Mick's head that uh, the Lunar Academy will certainly pay for the information to be delivered to them sooner rather than later. So Mouse is perhaps the most nervous of you all and she's not sure why, why the Dean would have sent all of her and all of you here um, and that you should get back quickly, uh, but she doesn't know how you would travel through space unless there's something on this, the, the boat that would bring you back. Um, she's in says, favor of the boat staying, but she doesn't know that the Dean and her parents don't have any money. Why would the Dean send a scholarship girl here? Crenshaw says directly into Mouse's head, become field mouse, become. And I'm just gonna make a persuasion check. Okay. You might add that we will pay her way. That she will not be on the hook for any um, costs for this That's trip. That's what it means to be a, on scholarship, right? Yeah. Different kind of education for mouse, field mouse. So that's a 23. Right. It's okay. a field trip for field mouse. That's exactly what Crenshaw says. This is a okay. field trip and you are going to learn more here this week than you will in a month's worth of classes. Excellent. So with a 23, she's field mouse, field mouse is calmer. Um, as you approach the island, um, you're surprised you don't see any dolphins. Um, even seabirds are a rare sight. The currents are stronger and the wind is laced with a heady, somewhat bitter scent of brine. Ahead of you, the ocean mists part to reveal a smallish, irregular island. A few tiny beaches ring the isle, but much of its periphery are steep cliff faces. Toward the center of the isle, sparse palm trees thicken to become a riot of jungle. This green inferno surrounds the flanks of an angular, steep hills that seem to crash against one another as if competing to reach for the sky. 
I'm wondering if Mouse Field Mouse knows anything about this uh, island. So I ask her that. Oh, missed. Uh, the cap. The captain said the name of the island was was Miss Cutter Island. Yes. Um. Yeah, it's in. Look, look, and she shows Claren the the notes. She said it was in Professor Williams' lecture. Look right here, and she's pointing at the um at the notes. Um. Sure. Is there DJ? Tell me what you're saying in chat here. Uh, so it's just, I want to, as soon as Fence asks that, uh -huh. assuming that something will be at the front of her mind, I actually am going to dig deeper because I want her to make the save. So okay. that's going to be a... DC 14, maybe 15. Uh, yeah, uh, 17. So yeah, you get, uh, I mean, the only thoughts you get are her expression, which is the excitement that she's showing directly okay. to Claring about it being in Professor Williams' notes. Um, and she's like, it's right here. Um, the page that describes, that mentions like the purple lights and Miss Cutter Island and like the bending of space and time is, is a bit obscure, but it seems like there might be an ancient source like of devilish power here that has some connection with being able to bend space and time to allow people to, to move through from one either not even so much one plane of existence to another but using another plane like the astral plane to move people through certainly through space and potentially through time as well on the material plane and that there might be an ancient temple that was used as part of it um the other little note is that there's a question about whether it was genuine in Professor Williams' lecture or whether the people that were on this island were tortured or had their minds twisted to believe that they were traveling but didn't actually move through space and time. So it's not 100% clear from the notes like whether this was an actual arcane way of traveling through space and time or whether this was what Professor Williams called like a false start. Um, so. We certainly know that traveling through space is something that uh, at least the Dean at the Lunar Academy knows something about. She had a lot of For models. She's very interested in this ability, um, mm -hmm. which means it's really valuable to her. Um, so continuing to speak into Mouse's head, like Crenshaw hasn't said anything out loud since he got on the boat. He's just leaning on the boat, arms crossed, staring at Theraval. 
and talking telepathically to people. Um, so mouse, um, do you cast spells? Yes. What's the most powerful spell you can cast? Um, are you talking nature spell? Or are you talking um, book learning spell? Either I'm much one. better at nature spells. Nature then. Um, she tells you quickly. Um, <laughs> I have to look into a book. I'm only asking to get a sense of what her spellcasting level is. Um, oh, so she's a third level druid, first level wizard. Okay. All right, so we probably, I think we were, I can't remember, I think we we're ending at 9.30 with it being a uh, weeknight and we're, we, we are past that. Um, so I think we will probably will pause here. Let me go before we absolutely wrap. Let me go back to move you all away from the map of the boat and to Miss Cutter Island and see if there are any like other questions or at least get a little bit of sense of what your plan is. Um, the area that you can see here on the, like the Southwest part or the South, uh, that's, those are beaches and the rest of it is sort of cliff faces. Um, and you could ask Captain Tellez to circumnavigate the island. You could decide to put in at the beach. You could sail, you know, there's uh, really it's, this is the island that's in front of you. You could also, you know, insist that Telez not drop you. So lots and lots of different options. Does Telez know of any structures on this island? She has not recently sailed. Like most sailors don't spend much time in the last decade actually stopping on Mist Cutter Island. Um, you know what, let me roll for her though, real fast. Um, no structures on the island. Um, there are two things though, she rolled a 19. There are two things that she knows. Um, there may be structures up in the mountains. Like sometimes when you sail past, you see things that look like they might be ancient ruins up in the mountains. There's also over on the eastern side, like over around this bay area, there is uh, what looks like the remnants of an old statue, like a 25, 30 foot tall statue right by the water's edge um, off of one of these peninsulas over this way. So those are the two, two leads that she has for you. Do we should we circumnavigate it once just to you know do that and get the perception checks or whatever it takes to kind of see what's what? 
the captain doesn't mind, I think that's a good yeah. idea. Well, I, I think we've, you know, if we tell the captain, you don't have to wait for us. We, I guess we did we agree that she could. Do we want to pay for her to wait for us? I think that um, if you look at the if you look at the hexes, each hex is a mile, uh, and it would take us more than a day or two to, to uh, explore the island, and then we've got to find uh, whatever it is we were sent here for. Uh, so it seems to me that that would take more than a, a day or two. I would ask the captain, how often do ships pass by uh, this island? And I'm also wondering um, if we have any magic that could be used to signal ships. <coughs> yes, yeah, so it's not on major trade a major trade route, um, but ships would come by once in a fortnight. The question is, is anyone avoiding it because of the weird purple lights that have been coming out of it? Mm -hmm. But, you know, the merchant pirates are around. So once a fortnight, you probably would get a random boat that would come by. Not Nobody lands there anymore. And she's happy to circumnavigate it if you would like. Um, so we'll begin next time. I figure, I would note that the boat is Good not point. to scale. The boat is not two miles long. Um, but we'll take the, the icon of the boat and we'll navigate around the island. You can do perception checks. And I assume you want her to navigate it in sort of a clockwise manner. I'm going to, you know, like going like that direction and then turning this way and then this way and then back down to where you start it. And then you would tell her where you want it to be dropped. That seems right. I also think we should be dropped off if, if we think that the purple lights are a clue. And if we have a sense from other sailors of where these purple lights are most prominent, we probably want to uh, be dropped off there. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, so, okay. Um, oh, and yeah, let's do, oh, actually we know time of day. Um, it is evening at this point, so things are, it is just about dusk because it was 6 p.m. in the springtime when you left Ward and it's now 6 p.m. Um, out here in the in Calther Sea. Okay, so we will start next time with circumnavigating Miss Cutter Isle. Cool. Okay. Excellent. Thank you. All right. Well, to the next adventure. Let's take care, y'all. Have a great uh, Thanksgiving, uh, everyone. everyone. Yeah, Good to see care. you. Happy Thanksgiving. Okay. Um, we'll